0: Hey, good day, fellas. Welcome back to Uncensored Advice for Men. Josh here, just a fellow dude looking for some advice, right? So I travel around and I go, Hey, I need, you know, need help with sex, money, relationships, or all of the above. Uh, so I go and ask people advice and then they share it here and we record it and share it with you guys. So if you need some advice on something, need some tough advice, head on over to uncensoredadviceformen.com, fill out a quick form and maybe even get on the show, share your story. On today's show, we have uh, Mr. Trenton. Welcome to the show, man.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me, Josh. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, so who are you and uh, what are you up to?
1: Uh, I am a comedian, cartoonist, a little bit of an entrepreneur. I started a coffee company that makes coffee out of date seats during this whole pandemic. I had a little extra time on my hands. And, but yeah, mostly, you know, I do the cartoons. That's what I'm known for. I've done work with Comedy Central. I did a little bit of work with uh, Showtime, LOL Network you know, a handful of other things that are like smaller media outlets, but those are kind of the major, the major people that I've worked with and been able to have some, some great opportunities come my way in the comedy world. Yeah.
0: All right. So when, when people ask you, they're like, Hey, what do you do for a living? And, and, you know, like, what's it, what's it, uh, what, what kind of reactions do you get when, when you're like, yeah, you know, I, I'm a cartoonist, I'm a writer, I'm in the comedy. Like what, what are the normal reactions you get?
1: You know, it, it's always like, oh my God, how do how do you get into that? How'd, how did that happen? Like, they always kind of want to know the story, and yeah. it's it's funny that you know you ask what what do you people ask you what do you do? And I always had this dream because I'm you know I do the cartoons, the comedy, and I have the coffee company, but I want to get to a point to where I don't have to do any of that, so mm-hmm. I, I can you know I have these things in place where I'm trying to you know set up long term lifelong income off of them because I always just wanted to answer that question. Someone asks, "What do you do?" and I always just wanted to answer with whatever I want. Yeah. And then they're going to say, "No, I mean like for a living." And I'm going to say, "No, whatever I want." <laughs> like that that's, that's that's the goal right now, right? Yeah. Um but yeah, it's kind of how I got into it especially the cartoons. That that came first. Um so and that's always been my passion. I huge fan of cartoons as a kid. I remember being a little tyke in the early 90s and it was you know, family time to watch the Simpsons get on the couch and you you got to be in there for that because we you know TiVo didn't exist and DVRs and you know digital cables so this was still you know analog right and my, I remember my pops yeah I can still hear it in my head Simpsons getting on the couch <laughs> so like everyone <laughs> runs in the living room right and you know I grew up diehard fan of South Park Uh that show came out when I was seven years old and I've seen every episode Um, but yeah it was literally you know I was at a point in my life, I was kind of at a crossroads where I was working a job that I didn't like. I was working as a financial advisor. Um, great company, had a great team around me, great um, mentors, management team. All that was amazing. But the day-to-day work that I was doing, I didn't like it at all. So I was looking for a way out. And so one day I just called my brother. Um, I was living in San Diego. I'm from Missouri. And you know, my brother's in Missouri at the time. I call him up and I say, hey, I'm going to do cartoons and comedy. This is what I'm doing. You know, do you want to be a part of this? I I, I want you, you know, with me. Um, he said, yeah, I've always wanted to make a cartoon and we've talked about it a million times, but we've never talked about it. You know, growing up, it was always just, we should make a cartoon. We're funny. Like we, we could do this. And then one day we just a phone call made it, made it real. So after that phone call, we figured out what kind of computers we would need, what kind of software we needed to make it happen. And the the best thing is, that, so this is, this is what we did. We had no money, no resources to make this happen, right? Got a Best Buy credit card, maxed it out, buying computers, didn't have enough money to buy the animation software that we needed, bootlegged it from the internet, learned how to use that. So taught ourselves how to animate and write for, it, it took almost a year and a half to get to where we could put something out, right? And then we started putting... Cartoons on YouTube twice a week every week for about six months, and the show we were doing really blew up on YouTube. Comedy Central picked it up. We did a web series with them for two years for it. Um, and w- when we were on Comedy Central, like we were helping them build their Snapchat channel, and the only shows that they had that were doing bigger numbers than ours were staple, you know, like those concrete shows that have been around. Like South Park would do better than us. Tosh .Point .O would do better than us that's it like we were killing everything else but yeah that all started with you know just deciding we wanted to do it and taking the time and diligence and discipline to teach ourselves how to animate from watching youtube and tutorials on the website from the the animation software that we stole but we did we we bought it eventually after we after we got paid from comedy central right <laughs> yeah but all the youtube <laughs> stuff that was all that was all bootleg software yeah,
0: and and the statute of limitations has passed too, right? So the, yes, so <laughs> yes, did, that
1: that was oh my, that was 20, 2013 Whenever we took that, so we we should be good now. I hope so. I hope it's not like a ten year statute. It should be like four or five years.
0: But you did buy it, so any any yeah. attorney listening in, it yeah. has been purchased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: right. so we we should, we should be good now.
0: So talk to us about what was your what was your first cartoon? Because you know, growing up with the influence of Bart Simpson uh south park well yeah. what, what, what kind of stuff did you guys get into
1: things similar to that so the first cartoon <laughs> we did was called the lounge and if anyone's watching with the video that that's what this poster is behind me and so it was about these four guys that work at a school but none of them are teachers it's the pe coach counselor secretary and bus driver so they just dick around in the lounge all day not doing shit and just being assholes to them to each other and everybody else right so it's just like a buddy comedy and the first season we did on youtube so this is 2015 when we you know got good enough to animate some junk and throw it together and put it on youtube right and it's funny because like our first episode is so bad everything is bad the writing's bad it's not funny the animation's bad but then you can just you can just see this learning curve the whole time right but you know we're, we're sitting here writing this as we go so we have episode one out we don't even know what we're doing for episode two yet and that was how we did it the whole season but then we started to go with you know, what was kind of happening in the news. And the storyline for season one of The Lounge on YouTube is, again, 2015. The guys saw the movie Wolf of Wall Street, so they want to try Quaaludes. So you can't (laughs) get them in America. They go to Canada, can't get them there. And you can't get them in Canada because... Bill Cosby is a drug kingpin in the show <laughs> and you can only get quaaludes from him. He bought them yeah. all up in the eighties, right? Yeah. true. So, story. <laughs> so that was what was going on. And then during that time, uh, El Chapo busted out of prison in Mexico or wherever he was being held. <clears throat> yeah. I think it was in Mexico. So he busts out of prison. So we write him into the show as the guys are on this cross country trek, trying to get from Missouri to Hollywood to find old man Cosby they just find they just see this Mexican dude hitchhiking on the side of the road they pick him up and it's Chapo Guzman and so he's got like a history with uh Bill Cosby so his history is that he used to sell quaaludes too but he sold them all to Cosby in the 80s because he didn't know they were going to quit making them and turn into a gold mine so he's kind of down the rest of the way to you know do do whatever or find a way to get quaaludes but also kind of evade the police and it's it just turns into this wild you know whole season of debauchery and nonsense of them trying to track down old man Cosby and, and get some quaaludes. And that's, did you they know, score that's, that some, was how, what'd did, you say? Did, did,
0: did they score some quaaludes?
1: Yeah, they scored some quaaludes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got them. It was, and it's actually super funny how, how they get them. Um, no one's going to watch the YouTube episodes cause they're not that good, but they are funny. But so basically <laughs> they, they have a standoff and you know, they, 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 capture old man Cosby with they chloroform and make him pass out. And I think the, probably the best thing we did that whole season was the um, they're looking for the quaaludes and Bill Cosby, he, you know, so they got him tied up. They're asking him, where are the quaaludes and he won't tell them. So they just start spitting on him. <laughs> <laughs> he eventually just tells me, he's like, all right, he says, all right, they're in my bum. So one of the guys looks inside of Bill Cosby's asshole, right? He literally takes his fingers and looks inside of it like this <laughs> and we show like the camera view from inside his asshole so you see someone's eye looking in it like that and i think that was that was probably the best directing decision i've ever made in my life still that was something i was <laughs> something yeah, i was proud of
0: you'll be proud but, of that for a long time <laughs> yeah yeah
1: and then season two so yeah season one was all cosby and uh chapo season two was this was when trump was campaigning in the primaries So he comes to town to campaign, but he's also there. He's going to tear down this apartment building, this janky old apartment building that the P.E. coach and the bus driver live in. He's going to tear it down and build a Trump Tower there. And these two are super broke and terrible with money. So they don't have any money for anything. ever. They spend it all on weed and bullshit. Right. So they got to figure out basically how to save their home because they can't afford to live in a Trump Tower or pretty much anywhere else in town. So the season starts off with Trump there to campaign, but it turns into this whole, like, how are we going to save our apartment building, right? And so they had this beef with Trump the whole time, but it it never even gets political. It's always, you know, there were a million things we could have made jokes about, but we just turned Trump into this character who, I mean, he was actually like pretty similar to himself, honestly. (laughs) But just what was going on was just a a hardcore beef the whole time. And it's just, you know, one of the guys is super obsessed with Trump and Trump can't even remember his name. He's super disrespectful to him, but yeah. So, you know, we just like to play on reality and talk about what's going on in the real world and just spin it and turn, turn these people into these, these just eccentric, ridiculous characters. Like what we did to Bill Cosby, you know, the character we turned him into is just this over the top kooky drug dealer, (laughs) who's got these jamaican henchmen by his side and (laughs) he i I won't get into too much more detail because we also kind of make fun of you know the real stuff that was going on with bill cosby so like Mm -hmm. there was one episode we did where he's out to dinner with this woman but the woman's already passed out the whole time during the dinner (laughs) and so yeah we just you know take, take take what's real and make it make it cartoony and you know make it kooky and over the top and we we did a show online a couple of years ago called Real Ballers, where we just made fun of the NBA because we're diehard NBA fans. And we just kept up with the NBA news cycle. You know, something would happen in the NBA and we'd have an episode out a day or two later. But I think, you know, take that was fun, too, because we could take those characters and spin what was going on in the real world and just turn them into, you know, these, these kooky, like ridiculous characters. The best was Magic Johnson, right? So Magic Johnson, one of my favorite players of all time, and he was like our Bugs Bunny in the show because this dude is ridiculous. And so his thing in the show was he'll do anything and everything he can to help the Lakers get back to the top. And this was in like 2017, 2018, whenever the Lakers were like super sucky, right? Yeah. Um, Kobe, Kobe retired, They had a bunch of scrubs on their squad before LeBron got there. It's just a bunch of kids and, you know, whoever. But so Magic do anything to and and actually you know we were doing it also whenever LeBron first got to LA so he was there so him and Magic are always teaming up Magic's trying to get him to do anything and everything whether it's kidnap people Magic's down to kill people he doesn't care whatever it takes to get the Lakers to the top so that's what we love to do is you know make make fun of what's going on in the real world and spin it in a way that's not 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 we don't really like to make things politically charged like even when we were doing stuff with Trump we never touched on politics just because Like, I think we all hear enough of that, especially in the political climate we live in. Now we get everything shoved down our throats, whether you can't you can't get on social media without seeing politics. You can't turn on the TV, really. Um, and, and even in all the shows you see now, like everything is so there's so many shows that are politically charged and they want to put like their little agenda message, whatever, in their production. And that's never been us. We, we just focus on being funny and <laughs> and everything else just comes. Right. So yeah. that, that's kind of like our, our sense of humor in, in, a, in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. So what I, what I like about comedy as a whole is <laughs> not to tie in with Bill Cosby's whole that you <laughs> described earlier, but what I <laughs> see, that was a joke, right? The dumb dad joke. All right. So, but
1: what I like about I'll work comedy, it into a standup set.
0: <laughs> there you go. I appreciate that. What I like about the comedy is that you could take real world situations mm-hmm. and the world's falling apart, right? Like if you turn on mm-hmm. the news, it is just terrible news over mm-hmm. and over and over, like just bad things that, that creep Fear and create negativity and you guys spin that or you've done this in the past right you spin yeah. it to make fun of the news yeah right
1: and it's just you know something that it gives us a way to make light of what's going on in the world because like you said you know it's it's just always something the world's falling apart so comedy can help put it back together i think and all and also you know aside from you know lightening the mood and giving people a laugh i think the beautiful thing about comedy is you know if what you're doing is actually funny like really funny not like you you can't do bogus jokes for shock value because people see past that and you know kind of touching on cancel culture a little bit like I was kind of telling you before we got on here is that you know there's a lot of people in comedy that are afraid to push the envelope and do things that are you know maybe because they're worried they're going to offend people but I see people that aren't worried about offending people and they do whatever they want and they're fine because they're actually funny right and so if you're actually funny you can you can kind of get away with almost anything as long as as long as it's you know clever right you don't want to so no no shock value jokes and, and we always avoid shock value jokes we never we, we don't even respect that honestly you know as as people who really pride ourselves on making I don't want to call it smart comedy because it's <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> stupid but uh you, you know how South Park kind of gets clever and they're, they're witty and they can make fun of people in In different ways, and you know an episode of South Park I really love is the episode where they make fun of kanye west the gay the gay fish episode the fish sticks yeah and, and i 'm a huge Kanye fan, honestly, I love his music, but I think that was such a brilliant way to you know kind of kind of take a situation where Kanye kind of doesn't get it about people making fun of him and just turn it into something ridiculous, turn Kanye into this ridiculous character, and I think that's you know something that's really. A, a fun way to make cartoons and i and i love making fun of people also that's one of my favorite things to do so yeah. it is,
0: it, it, it's fun right so there's there's just such a a sensitivity in our in our time mm-hmm. where i think we missed the art now you grew up with five brothers or four brothers, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, four brothers. I'm the middle child too. I'm the middle of five. No girls in our family, so it's so a making, lot of making fun of one another bro. A lot of
0: making fun. Now that's a that's kind of a love language. If you're not being made fun of or talked about, there's something wrong with you, right?
1: Facts. Facts. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But at the same time like it is a love language, although it was, it was I'm not going to lie, it was tough sometimes, you know, because we would make fun of each other for anything and everything, whether, you know, we thought it was acceptable or okay or whatever. I mean, if like literally anything. So I kind of getting a little bit off topic, but staying in this, right? So I I had a heart attack when I was 20. And real. Real heart attack.
0: Okay. So this isn't a stand-up bit. You you no, nah, this is not nah, this, okay. this is real. I mean, <laughs> I, I
1: worked this, I worked this into stand-up bits and talk right. about it, you know, maybe, but uh yeah, so so real right now. Right now we're on a real topic. I had a heart okay. attack when I was 20, but And I'm in the hospital for almost a week, not knowing what's going to happen, have no clue. You know, all I know is I've never had chest pain before. And I had a heart attack one time on a Sunday morning. Right. And but I'm in the hospital and me and my brothers are literally making jokes about it, making jokes about the situation, about anything and everything. And some of the nurses were not feeling our jokes. (laughs) Some of them were kind of they're kind of whatever about it but yeah some of them just gave these snarky judgmental looks and i just wanted to be like yo lady this ain't your problem this is me and my family so just just do your job and come check my blood every now and again and make sure i'm okay don't don't worry about what we're saying in here because this, this is the joke center right now because this is where we all are
0: yeah did uh did you make a comedy bit about that like the, a cartoon
1: no no i, I, I never touched on that with, with our cartoons i mean you know we we don't put too much of our own personal. We make fun of other people we know, and, and even in the show The Lounge, all those characters are mashups of people that we know personally. And I'm not gonna say who's who because people I know are gonna probably listen to this podcast. But uh, I'm not I'm not gonna put everyone on blast like that, not not on a public forum like this. But uh, yeah, so we, we love making fun of people and. I, I think yeah like you said it's, it's a love language it, it really is and so ev- even the way we made fun of Magic Johnson in the Real Ballers show borderline disrespectful but the way I kind of see it is like you're one of my favorite players of all time and that's the price of greatness because if you weren't great if you weren't as great as you were you wouldn't even be in the show so and, and LeBron my my maybe my favorite player ever um i don't know it's it's tough to rank you know where where everyone is because i'm such a big nba fan but easily easily top two for me and um we we made fun of him the most in the show and that that's what you get for being the best player in the nba if 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 you don't want to it comes with the territory right having people talk about you and yeah. you know so that's you know make, making fun of people's our bread and butter that's that's what we do
0: yeah it's comedy right yeah do you, do you think that do you think that as you write up a comedy bit, right? You, you do um, you made fun of news, right? And we, yeah. we talk about news and, the, and negativity and all that stuff. Do you, when, before you hit publish, right before you hit, all right, we, mm-hmm. my, me, my brothers did this. We, yeah. you know, we were all sitting around <clears throat> having a drink. We created this thing. Do, are you ever afraid before you hit publish? You're like, what if people take this wrong? What if, what if we get canceled ourselves? Like, does that fear from hitting send ever hit nah, you?
1: Nah, nah, never. Um, Never, 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 no nah, we don't we don't care honestly we <laughs> yes, we, tell we, me more. we make we we make comedy for us, we never cater to our audience, never we've never even considered it, not once, and that's been very successful for us. We make things that we think are funny with the hopes that other people are going to like it too, and that that's how we stay authentic, and that that's why our voice is you know something that you know uh, it, it resonates with our audience. Our audience is looking for the type of humor that we have. And, it, you, know, there's, you know, you're not going to get any phoniness with us because we're not going to cater to what, what society thinks we can or can't make jokes about, right? Yeah. Um, so when, whenever I look at some of my favorite comedians of all time, so even take Richard Pryor, right? He's, he's the hands down king of comedy. He could never say the things that he used to say in, in, in the today's climate with, you know, the cultural and political climate that we live in. Yeah. And as as someone who does comedy it's kind of it's shocking because it kind of makes you wonder like okay why and how are we are we digressing in in a way that you know is closing doors on what's acceptable to to make fun of, right? Mm-hmm. And like you said it's a love language to to me and you know some other people and you and there's going to be a ton of people that disagree but you know so in, in one of Dave Chappelle's more recent standups, he, he makes fun of trans people, right? And he talks about, there was a trans uh, woman in the front row that came to all the shows, her name was Daphne. And she was, you know, basically saying thank you for helping normalize transgenders because you're talking about it. And if if you're gonna make fun of only, you know, so so I'm 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 a white man, obviously. So if anyone who's not watching the video, I'm I'm a straight white man. So if if I can only make fun of straight white men and not everybody else, then then that's kind of in, in my opinion anyway, ostracizing everyone else and not treating them equally, because like everyone should be made fun of, no matter what it is. Um not saying like if you're transgender, you need to be made fun of for being transgender, but if I don't know, if you I don't know, dress like a buffoon if you're whatever. And, and and straight white men, there's a lot of us that dress like buffoons too, but whatever it is, you know. Um I I think that nothing's off limits as long as you're funny. And th- there there's a Richard Pryor quote where he kind of talks about that and I'll uh I'll I'll read it word for word because I don't I don't want to butcher
0: all right, and Richard, this is a quote of uh, Richard Pryor coming on. Yeah. Up.
1: So so this this is what he says. He says. He says comedy rules. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And there are no rules in stand up comedy, which I really like. You can do anything you want and say anything that comes to mind just so long as it's funny. But if you ain't funny, then get the fuck off the stage. It's that simple. <laughs> and I think that is you know the kind of the perfect way to sum it up because like I was saying earlier as long as you're funny and you're not doing jokes for shock value and and they're you know clever then you can get away with whatever you want and even look at you know Andrew Schultz he's a up-and-coming comedian or he's not even up and coming anymore he's here and he's my favorite comedian to come out in probably the last 15 years and he doesn't hold back on anything this dude makes fun of everything everybody and I, I think you know that, that's the way to do it and and there's also a line to straddle where you can be funny without being disrespectful and, and that kind of goes into that you know be clever and don't be you know don't try to be a shock jock or whatever but yeah just you know to to see everything a lot of people take a step back and even todd phillips quit doing comedy he, he's the director and producer of the hangover movies although we did get a really good gem out of that because he, he did joker and they're making a sequel to that so so at least that's one good thing that came out of cancel culture was we got the Joker movie yeah. and we're getting a sequel. So that's the only good thing that came out of cancel culture to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that that was a an incredible show. So what I really like about making fun of, you know, situations <clears throat> is, and, you know, like now I, I'm probably going to be wrong on this, but, you know, I could imagine, you know, Shakespeare back in the day, looking at situations and then he would create, you know, comedy to yeah. kind of talk about tough situations in a mm-hmm. way where people can relate with it, make people feel a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. and then have some type of thought process. Right. It, it makes you, yeah. it makes you think about it. Yeah. Um, and if all we're thinking about, if the only thing that we're getting is from the news
1: mm-hmm. or from
0: just whatever, if we're not being challenged or maybe offended a little bit, yeah. How do we grow?
1: Couldn't agree with you more. And yeah. as, as someone who, does comedy and makes cartoons that talk about you know anything and everything and everybody. I I think it's important to push the envelope as a comedian, and, and I think the same for musicians too. I not gonna. I don't really know in that realm because I'm not musically inclined. But you know, comedians, musicians, you know, it, it's our job to push the envelope on what's acceptable, push the envelope on what we're allowed to say, fight against any kind of censorship, and you know, really really put that out there because you you can put thought provoking things in your comedy or or music if you do music, but you know, so the, I think, you know, the example I always use is, um, a lot of people don't want you to make jokes about rape, right? Totally get it. But I had, I used to date this girl who was not for saying anything you want on stage. And so that topic got brought up. I didn't even have any jokes about it. We were just talking about having a discussion. And her argument was that joking about it contributes to rape culture. And my argument was that we do have a problem with rape culture, but no one will talk about it. So if we can open that dialogue through comedy, I think that's an avenue that we need to, and, and kind of speaking of rape culture real quick, because most of your audience is men. There's too many men who who truly believe in their hearts that you're not raping a woman unless you physically hold her down and fuck her. And that's not the case. <laughs> um, but- to, so and, and I don't think there's people watching a comedian do do a stand-up joke and he mentions rape and I don't think they're thinking oh well I guess it's kind of okay because he's making fun of it it's supposed to make you feel this feeling in the pit of your stomach and that's how I feel when I see someone do a rape joke e- even when I laugh at it it, it makes me feel like Ugh. but even though I, I can still you know laugh my ass off at it Bill Burr has like a joke where he's talking about uh fucking sex dolls because you know he's like this new generation you get you got tinder and all this and that he's like back in the day if you couldn't find someone that wanted to have sex with you and you weren't strong enough to hold anybody down you had to go to the porn store and buy a sex doll and so that is and when the first time i heard that joke i was like dying because it was so funny it was so brilliant but at the same time i was like it, it kind of puts an image in in your head of someone like literally holding someone down and, you know, trying to force them to whatever. And at the same time, it makes you feel queasy while you're sitting here laughing. Right. And you know, that's how, that's what it did for me. Maybe some other people got different experiences on it, but yeah, I, I think, you know, comedy can be an, an avenue to open up this, this conversation about, you know, it, whether, whether it be, you know, rape culture or w- what isn't, isn't acceptable, or we, we, we can, like Dave Chappelle was talking about make fun of trans people to make them more, more acceptable and more more viewed as something that you know isn't something or people who need to be ostracized right and and we can kind of normalize things through comedy and i think you know again like we have a responsibility to do that
0: you know i i tell you like i i when you go to a a comedy bit and then he says a joke he or she says a joke up on stage and you're laughing you find yourself laughing and then you're thinking about and you're like that was really inappropriate and then you're laughing. You're like, am, am I laughing? Does that mean that I think that this is okay? And then you're looking around and going, I wonder who's looking at me laughing. And what are they going to think of me? So the awkward feeling, yeah. right, yeah. of of that, it, the whole time you're going, don't laugh. Don't laugh. This is really bad. Don't laugh. And you want to laugh. And a lot of even, even as you were talking, like I had a nervous laugh going. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're nervous about it, right? Because you know it's terrible. You yeah. know you shouldn't talk about it you know Mm -hmm. that anybody who does it is a naughty and no no and should be punished yeah but as people are talking about it like there's something you know that you're it's mostly nervousness but like talking about it like I think I think what you're saying is like as a comedian your job in your in your comedy and your art and what you're doing is to push the envelope to make me feel uncomfortable to make me think
1: sometimes for sure absolutely Oh, that's so and, good, and, and, but you know, so awkward. So, if, if yeah, yeah, it's so good, but it's so awkward. But you know, if 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 someone does a comedy show and they, they talk about a subject that's taboo that we're not having enough conversation about as society, if you know, a couple on the way home has a conversation that they've never had before because of this man's comedy bit, then I think that comedian just won and, and did a great service for you know th- this couple, but society at large. Because the more we put out there as far as like you know, just exuding that positivity and being able to have these conversations the better and so i I was at i I go to a lot of comedy shows uh I, i live in la so the comedy clubs here are great but i was at uh i was at the laugh factory one time and kevin nealon was hosting this comedy show and this he starts talking about anthony bourdain after anthony bourdain was already dead and Kevin Nealon, he's talked about how he's like, yeah, I, I met him quite a few times. Said I didn't really like the guy. I, yeah, I just, I just I just didn't like him. Not as much as he didn't like himself. Apparently, I didn't want to kill the guy or anything. But no one laughed except me and my brother. Oh, that makes, no makes you
0: feel me. really awkward, right? <laughs> because now oh you're cracking God. up.
1: I, I didn't feel awkward. I, I, f- I felt bad for the other people that I, I literally had sympathy and empathy for them that they can't go to a comedy show and laugh at things that are funny because they're worried that, you know, what isn't, isn't acceptable. Mm-hmm. Like you're, 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 <laughs> you're lowering your own joy doing that. You know, it's like, just be present. We're, we're here at a comedy club. So just, just enjoy the show. That's, that's kind of how I feel. And, you know, he, he didn't say anything about you or whoever, you know, <laughs> right. again, like to me, everything is funny. If if your dog died yesterday, that's not actually funny, but did he get hit by a car or did he run out in front of that car? Cause you're a shitty owner. <laughs> you know, like it's your, your dog dying. Isn't funny. Cause that's a family member, but you can make a joke about it still and make the joke funny and kind of lighten the mood. You know, we, the, and these are things we all have to deal with. We all have to deal with death of of pets, family members, friends, loved ones. You know, I've, I've been mostly lucky. I haven't had to deal with a ton. Um, I, I have lost friends to, car accidents, drinking and driving, suicide that like this is all, you know, part of my life and everyone else's life too. Like so many people know people who have taken their own lives. So many people know people who have died in drunk driving accidents um what whatever, like freak accidents. That doesn't mean we can't joke about it. And, you know, cuz cuz these are things we all have to deal with. And so I think that kind of goes back to, you know, opening up the dialogue and especially when it comes to like real real issues because if about real issues, then the people who are going through those issues feel okay to talk about it, right? Because when, I, I had a friend take his life whenever we were in college still, I didn't see it coming at all. Um it, it was out of nowhere, like we were always having a good ass time together. And you know, if, if we as a society can be more open to talk about something like that, and if we can make it happen through comedy or or whatever avenue, then then i think that's a great thing but yes because these are things that affect you know everyone's lives around us so i'm i'm all for talking about anything and everything as long as it's funny otherwise get the fuck off the stage like richard pryor said
0: like richard like like sir richard says so, sir richard <laughs> right i mean he is he's is, he's is one of the kings of comedy right like yeah. he's one of the the guys who i mean yeah. kicked it off he
1: yeah. he, was yeah. he, he, he took it to a whole nother level whenever whenever he bust on the scene yeah. So, and there were other people, you know, doing, um, like, like Lenny Bruce was doing pretty crude jokes way back in the day, and and he he took comedy to another level, and then Richard Pryor lit it on fire and took it up a notch, and then yeah. you 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 haven't really had a ton of people really take it up because Richard Pryor took it pretty much to the top level to where he could talk about anything and everything. I mean, this dude talked about his real life and his real life this man went through everything he he had a full-on mental breakdown lit himself on fire once he's sucked dick before he, and he's talked about that in his own stand-up bits so you can't really and, and he he wasn't like sucking dick because he's gay which that's fine if you are he's sucking dick because he was addicted to crack and so if, if we can if he can do that then why are, <laughs> and this is the 70s right right so you're talking 50 years ago he was pushing the envelope and now we've digressed
0: We've digressed in, in, in the fact where we can't talk about certain things. Now, what I love about Richard Pryor is in that he he fully was transparent, right? Yeah, like,
1: yeah. And yeah, He authentic. brought his truth.
0: He brought, he brought what he believed was truth. And because, I mean, he exercised freedom of speech mm-hmm. and, and freedom of his, you know, like to express himself in that. Mm-hmm. And it made people laugh.
1: Yeah and, it, yeah. and
0: it also brought light to some of the struggles that people deal with.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Wow. So, all right. So in your, in your art and in your comedy, where, where do you want it to go? Now, obviously you want to be able to get to a point where you're like, what do you do? I do anything I want. Right? But <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, um, you got to write, you know, you got to do yeah. some more cartoons. What, what, where do you want to yeah, see I, your I mean, cartoon I mean, stuff?
1: Ne- next thing. Um, so, so I do these cartoons. Me and my brothers have this small boutique uh, production company and animation studio and so, the next thing for us you know we're we're we have some really good things in the works right now we as as far as well, what we're doing right now and what we've dedicated a lot of time to the last year and a half is putting shows together, packaging them up to pitch to networks um we have a pitch i think i have one, i think we have one, no not today next week next thursday but and th- and then we have we have a pitch with netflix coming up we we have some projects with some awesome talent attached to To try to pitch to, you know, Netflix, who, whoever will take it, honestly, whoever's got a good deal for us. And and also it needs to be a fit too, because some networks want to be a little bit more controlling with what they'll let you say and get away with. And, you know, I, I understand that uh, we kind of got to heed to the, the network's got final say on things. Um, but yeah, the, the, the TV show's next just so, so you know, we can, because that's always been the dream TV show, you know, we didn't jump in this being like, oh, we want to make cartoons on the internet. I mean, that's what we do. And it's cool. And we have a ton of fun doing it. But, you know, the ultimate goal is TV show. And we also want to make movies. I don't I don't know how many TV shows I want to make. I don't know if I want to be working year round every single year on a TV show. Uh, I mean, like, I know it sounds amazing, but making cartoons is a lot of tedious work. I, I love doing voice acting. I love writing stories and jokes. Um, But there's a million other things you've got to do to make this come to life. And the rest of those things aren't that fun.
0: <laughs> right. So... All right. So in your, in your message, right. You, you said, uh, before we hit record, you said that there's something really important that guys need to hear in today's world. you know, we talked about comedy being uncomfortable mm-hmm. and, and comedy being a way to start conversations. It's going to mm-hmm. make you feel uncomfortable. It's going to make you laugh and you're going yeah. around and saying, Oh, hope nobody saw me laugh. Right. But like <laughs> yeah. in, in your comedy, if your comedy and what you do can help one thing what would that one thing you're like man this would be really cool if in my arts work on my deathbed people go hey you helped me do this what would that be
1: i i think you know probably probably i want to help people be mentally stronger and, and and physically stronger too i mean obviously like everyone needs to be you know i think like i was telling you earlier, i have this kind of mantra it's like make your ancestors proud so i get up early, I get up early every day, I get up at five, I I meditate, I do Wim Hof breathing, I hit the gym, I eat right. And, you know, because I I have this thing where, like, I I, I like being and and I do all that for my mental health, I I don't, I don't work out so my body will look good. That's just a byproduct of it, right? I do that because I need to to stay motivated for the rest of the day. I don't, you'll never see me sitting around watching TV. I don't watch any shows that are serial. If I got to watch a show from the beginning and follow along, count me all the way out i the the last show i watched like that was dexter and i was like man i'm putting too much time into this but yeah to, to make people mentally stronger i mean you shouldn't be getting offended at jokes people make it's totally okay to not laugh if you don't think something's funny um but to you know jump on this bandwagon of cancel culture and try to shut someone's down and in their livelihood because you got a little bit offended at a joke or whatever it may be um yeah, I just want to, you know, help help people be be the best version of themselves and to be the best version of yourself, you need to be, you know, mentally fit, physically fit to some degree. I'm not saying you got to be able to go out there and kill a boar with a spear, but, you know, you, you need to be able to take care of yourself because my goal is longevity. I'm trying to live as long as I can. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I could, you know, give one message and it's just a message of inspiration, you know, to, to be the best version of yourself, when you look in the mirror and, you know, just like like what you see as a person not not necessarily you know yeah the body positivity that's all great and everything whatever but just who you are on the inside and without attaching that to you know what you do for a living or where you fall in your family or whatever so i don't whenever i think about who i am as a conscious you know being i don't think i'm a comedian and i'm a brother of 5 and I'm a son I, like none of that goes into my mind it's all you know who am i at my core when you strip away everything away from the outside um but yeah my my message is always you know up, uplift yourself do whatever you got to do to to get your mind in the right place um for me that's reading books listening to the right music i don't listen to any sad music ever no matter not even if i'm sad will i listen to sad music because music has a serious serious effect on on your your mind and your mood and your body um it's crazy because I don't know if, if anyone's listening, if you've ever checked out the experiments that they've done with playing different forms of music and speaking to water, it changes the water molecules. And they've done these experiments. So they'll freeze the water as they're playing, um, Mozart, the Beatles, heavy metal music and speaking to it, saying, I'm grateful for you. I love you versus I hate you. And it's crazy when you talk about the just the water hearing these things because everything has consciousness in the universe to some degree and this is all backed up by science so i'm not on some kooky shit if you think you're if you're <laughs> listening you, you think some I'm of those quaaludes there's a ton of research to back this up a ton a ton a ton um but in our bodies are what 70 percent water so i i only feed my body and mind positive messages so nothing and that's why we make fun of the news because it's all negative right it's it's all it's all nonsense and they, they want to you know that, that's a, that's a way to to control people is to you know make, make them make them afraid or make them worried and it's it's so don't don't be easy to control you got to be mentally strong so that that's that's what i'm striving for and what i'm what i'm out here trying to do
0: uh, that's pretty cool all right so for for guys listening in right if they're like this was a cool interview want to check out some of your you know your cartoons and such mm-hmm. what's the one episode that you would point people to and you're like this is our this is the one you should start with.
1: Okay, so whenever we got picked up by Comedy Central, there was an episode at the end of season one. It's season one, episode thirteen. It's called, I think it's called the Brown Eye, and they wanted us to do a parody episode. We didn't do any parodies for them at all. And then they're like, "You guys should do a parody. We haven't done this. It'll be fun." So, all right, we're, all right, cool. So we kind of brainstorming what we can come up with to push the envelope and make it funny and ridiculous, like we like to do. So we parodied *Pulp Fiction*, and we parodied the pawn shop scene. So you can go to ComedyCentral.com, search the lounge, go to season one, episode thirteen. That's that's our best episode of the lounge. We we got a, like a ton of episodes of the NBA show that are really good, um, but yeah, that episode of the lounge is probably the best thing we have out and then all the all of our other good stuff we're kind of sitting on it right now because it's just been like sizzle reels to send to networks and things like that pitching them shows we we got some really cool stuff up our sleeve right now but yeah the i think it's called the brown eye season one episode 13 of the lounge on comedy central
0: got it so head on over to the comedy comedy if if someone wants to experience your art right, now yeah yeah all right cool so someone listens in and they they're like hey man i work at you know i'm the i'm the top pitchman for netflix and we want to buy something where could people go to buy something cool from you or do a deal with you
1: uh hit hit, hit me up uh you can well i don't don't give out my email on podcast but uh, (laughs) my my instagram is at trenton hudson My, my brother who is you know runs everything with me and he's he has a little bit more of his hands full in this than i do his his instagram is uh the dylan hudson i think it's the dylan hudson or maybe it's dylan hudson i don't know. go to trenton hudson because he changed his instagram handle recently his instagram handle recently i don't remember what it is but yeah trenton hudson is my instagram handle so and if anyone wants to reach out and ask questions about making cartoons or making your ancestors proud and being mentally fit (laughs) i I can (laughs) i got you on that too i can recommend books people to listen to music whatever but yeah we're here to push the envelope and you know open up conversations about anything and everything
0: yeah, I like it. Comedy, comedy starts conversations. This is cool. Comedy mm. is uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, um, it's supposed to be. It's sometimes. supposed to sometimes, 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 right. So,
0: uh, final question: What question should I've asked? That, should I've asked you that? You're like, man, I wish someone would ask me this question. What question should I've asked you?
1: Oh man, I wish I'd have known you were going to ask me that question right there. I would have come <laughs> up with something beforehand. Uh, what question should you have asked me? <clears throat> How? did that heart attack that you had when you were 20 years old affect your comedy and your life in general?
0: That's a great question.
1: And I would have said when you're 20 years old and you are lying in a hospital bed, not knowing whether you're going to live or die, it changes your perspective on everything, but especially time. So when when you're facing mortality possibly, and you at least have to contemplate it, there's like, whenever I was 20, 21, 22 years old, I used to tell people all the time, like you don't you don't know anyone under sixty who appreciates time and has a better perception on it than me. But so like for me, it, it changed everything because now now I'm in a hurry because I don't know. I mean, I'm 31 now. I'm shooting to live past 100, but who knows? You know, my I, I tell people all the time: 20 seconds from now, you could faint, wake up in a hospital, and a, doc- and a doctor tells you you have leukemia. So I, I try to live my life like that. When when we were doing stuff on YouTube, you know, like I said, we were doing two episodes a week, every week. We would put an episode out on Monday and then we'd blast it on social media and tell people about it and this and that. And then we'd get to work on our episode for Thursday. And and it was nonstop work until Thursday when it came out. And then that episode came out and we'd get back to work on Monday's episode. We did that for six months of pretty much no sleep. But that helped us land that deal with Comedy Central. And that opened up so many other avenues for us. And when I started my coffee company, so I started a coffee company We make coffee out of date seeds. It's called Korma. And you can find that at quormacafe.com. But when I started that company, I literally came up with the idea to sell date coffee um, because I couldn't find it in stores. I was tired of making it at home for myself. So I was like, I want to buy this. Couldn't find it. So I'm like, I got to jump on this. I came up with the idea on a Monday, three weeks later, I had an online store where people were buying it. So in three weeks, I built a website. I toured a couple different date farms to find suppliers. I tested recipes. I bought like, so this, this is what it looks like now. It's in this beautiful bag. Right. But beforehand, this, this is my first bag, these janky paper coffee bags. I bought these on Amazon. I bought like a 50 pack of them and sold them all. But that, that was, you know, these were hella cheap and I didn't know, you know, I was kind of like my market test. Right. But stop wasting time analyzing things. Um, Just understand your time is limited. And I, I just try to, you know, make things happen as fast as possible because i also got to kind of work like i just assumed someone else was doing this and trying to beat me to it so i was like i was in a race against nobody but (laughs) i was pretending there was someone there right right yeah yeah so just you know realize the importance of time because it's the only thing like if, if you squander money if you piss money away you can make more shit you can even win the lottery if you're lucky but there's no lottery for time there's no nothing you can never get more back so you know just understand that and when you have a good grasp on time and that it's limited and when you think about <clears throat> average lifespan is 85 again i'm shooting for 100 and if and if you tell yourself you're going to live to 100 your chances of living to 100 are drastically increased also backed by science i'm not just saying shit but <laughs> but yeah so when you think like if i make it to 105 i only have 74 years left right and so i essentially think about it like i'm i'm 31 so there's there's a pretty good chance that my life is one third over. So every th- every second I've already lived, I only get to do that two more times. That's all. And then this shit is over. So when you can think about things like that, and and really have a a good solid perspective on on reality, the reality of time, it it'll get you up off your ass and get your get your feet off the coffee table and ass off the couch and quit quit watching TV and whatever. And it'll you'll just want to chase. The, the life that you want to live because you, this shit will be over before you know it. And then you're going to look back like, damn, I wish I would have done this instead of whatever I was doing that didn't make my dreams come true.
0: Word. Cool, man. Trenton, thanks for sharing. That was a great question and a great answer. <laughs> Thank thanks you. for coming Appreciate up for it. both of those. You did my job over there. So, happy yeah, uh, <laughs> very good. Very good. So, hey, man, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, hey, fellow dudes listening in, uh, reach out to our guests, and say thanks, especially if they're saying something that resonates with you. And if they're saying something that that you disagree with, either let it go or reach out to them and say, "Hey, this what you said was," uh, and then start a conversation. Right? So
1: that's great. I, I love hearing other perspectives about anything and yeah. everything. I'm, I'm not going to jump in an argument with you because I don't, I don't got the energy for that. I just <laughs> but <laughs> say thank you for I, your input, I, I do right? love hearing other perspectives. So in, anytime anyone disagrees with me, I'm always open to have a conversation. But yeah. Awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm always open for, for that.
0: Awesome. But I love I, what I love about this is, you know, it, it starts conversation. So mm-hmm. uh, I hope you guys enjoyed listening into today's show. I hope it inspired you to, to, to move and to, to do some cool things. And, and I really liked, uh, I, I really liked your attitude about how, you know, comedy, you know, it's the, the role of comedy. And, uh, it's really cool, man. So keep up the good work, keep up the art, keep up the making me feel uncomfortable and making me do nervous laughs. I'm I'm going to stay
1: making fun of people. That's what I do.
0: (laughs) You're good at it. You're good at it. All right, guys. We'll talk to you all on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon, Trent.
1: Appreciate it, Josh.